This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 181 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Hands On Gloves, the all-in-one shedding, bathing, grooming gloves. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network, and today we have two awesome riders. This is Debbie Lauks, and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thanks for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month, and I have my producer, Jen, with me today. Hi, Jen. Greetings. How's Debbie? I'm good, fellow lady writer. I'm glad <laughs> you're here, too. <laughs> well, you do. You do. You write a lot, and I, I think that's um, more power to you that you can talk about these things all the time, you know? There's a lot of them. Um, yeah. A lot of ground ground manners going on out there, which I love. But you know, there's nothing like the experience of getting that hair in the wind a little bit. Yeah. Well, yeah. And um, it's it's interesting because you have to have that balance of feet and hooves on the ground mm-hmm. and butt in saddle. There, there's a ratio that is ideal, and it's a it's slightly different for different horses and and riders. But yeah. there is a ratio for everybody. There's no such thing as a horse or a rider that requires no groundwork. Yeah. Right. They, everybody true. needs that. And I think Mongolian races maybe, or something. <laughs> a lot of groundwork. A lot of groundwork. Um, but everybody needs it. And it, it is beneficial to the human having hooves and feet on the ground as much as it is the horse. So, you know. Yeah. So, you know, this last week I got to go to Kentucky. Dad and I <gasps> packed up and. Kentucky. Your old stomping grounds. Yes, it was gorgeous. Now, Kentucky at the end of March, 1st of April is unbelievably beautiful. It really, really was gorgeous because the tulips were coming up naturally. I mean, organic tulips everywhere. It was great. Um, and those those creosoted fences and barns that are so beautiful. I know California would go boo, but they're they're just iconic. The black fences and the black and You know, old they, they don't use creosote anymore. What do they use? It looks like creosote, but that's actually black barn paint. It's a it's it's tar based. It's very it's akin to the tar you use to pave a road. Really? Yes. You it, you, and you're right. That used to be creosote that that they that they've mm-hmm. painted it all with, but nowadays they use black barn or black what's called black fence paint to mm. do that. And you'll see some buildings and fences look like it's been put on with a spatula. Yeah, and then some <laughs> that it a little look a little bit more weathered because you can like water it down. I'm going to use my air quotes because it's not really water, yeah. but yes, uh-huh. that's what that is. Uh-huh. Beautiful. It's it beautiful. is gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those statements, right? As you drive on these little single lane roads, weaving between hundreds and hundreds of acres of rolling, beautiful bluegrass, I guess, you yeah, know, it looked yeah. green to me. But you now, know, like all when, when you were in Kentucky, y'all flew to Kentucky. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. We all did. So <laughs> when you got to Kentucky, you had to rent a vehicle. We did. And did you rent a little car? Big big car kind of crazy crazy on those single lane roads. that was my that was what i was getting at and Uh, debbie is not exaggerating when she says lane and a half yeah that's it yeah Yeah. the most terrifying moments on those back roads because you you want to you want to take the time when you go to lexington to drive those back roads Mm. drive them gently and slowly set aside the whole day and pack a picnic lunch to do it yeah because you want (laughs) to you want to just go googly-eyed at the scenery because it's just incredible but the most terrifying moment is when you see a horse van coming at you yeah <laughs> it's like oh we're not and there's a, few of them. there's a few of them <laughs> you or me chicken i know <laughs> it's terrifying. pretty pretty beautiful out there but you know the babies are on the ground and frolicking and having a great time and those uh, those beautiful big thoroughbred mares out there having the life man they won the lottery it's just beautiful and then we got to go to those some of those storied farms that are starting horses you know in the twos and threes and so we've got these little jockeys up there and speaking of you know different seats in the saddle they barely skim the top of that horse, don't they? <laughs> There's they no legs. They, they kind of just levitate up there. Yeah. Yeah. And the gallops are just beautiful. So when I say gallops, these rolling green hills in Kentucky where they 
they tend to, some of the farms, have a double fence line so that there's a lane outside of the fences. And so there's not a, a single fence around these big old pastures and um, in some cases. And so it's about, oh my gosh, you could probably lope three horses across in these lanes. Two, really fun, you know, and three, a little crowded, but not too bad unless there's a tree in the lane, which occasionally there is. There is occasionally, yes. <laughs> yes, occasionally. Um, but that was so beautiful because I thought that is the way to grow up these these young ones, you know, on these gallops where they're a little bit of incline, a little bit of a decline and just beautiful and happy, you know, you just see happy horses going through these things too. And one of the things that was fun was getting to some of these big old storied farms. Like we went to Stone Farm with Arthur and Stacy Hancock, who've produced three Kentucky Derby winners now. We were also on um, Charles Fipke's farm. We stayed there in the manor house and it's beautiful. It's been Evergreen Farm and it's um, been Escadita Farm. And, you know, a lot of these places have turned over over the years, but Stone Farm is three generations now at this point. And also met up with John Phillips from um, Darby Dan, and that's three generations. And they have pastures, literally uh, Stone Farm. I saw them, a hundred acres each. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy acres. because you sometimes depends on depending on where you're at. You can drive along and you see a, a gorgeous pasture, and you never see a horse. And you go, they don't use that pasture. No, they do. It's just that there are ten horses in that hundred acres. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they're across the creek somewhere where you don't yes. see them in the in the thrushes, you know. But uh, yeah, it's absolutely beautiful. So uh, we were getting the tour from Arthur and his his very big SUV, and uh, driving around. And he said, "Yes, my my father believed, uh, you know, Bull and the, Bull Hancock and some of these guys are just storied trainers." And he said, "My my father believed in uh, big pastures make better racehorses because they get to run free." He said he always used the analogy of if you want a, a big trout, you don't put them in a little pond; you put them in a big pond. Interesting. Yeah, and uh, you know. They must be doing something right. So yeah. <laughs> there you go. Gato del Sol. And yeah, so the the thing I had to ask, though, is, and I'm in the back of the SUV, so we can barely hear me, you know, but I'm like, excuse me, excuse me, it's Mr. Hancock. So what if you have one that's hard to catch? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I don't think he heard me. because. No. <laughs> Man, I wouldn't want to go out there in a hundred acres. Can you to, imagine to find one? <laughs> yeah, they're mostly the broodmares, I think. No, the babies go out there no, though. The, the yearlings, that's right. right. The yearlings are out. It's and it's fun because you you drive along and you look out and you see, okay, that's that's a pasture full of maiden mares, mm -hmm. and there's a pasture full of brood mares, and there's a pasture full of weanlings, and or there's a pasture full of yearlings, and because they divide them up by their their. Uh, age exactly. and and job mm -hmm. and it's just yeah. fun because they have and they have a different because the the weanlings are always the funniest to watch because they're just off the Weeha. wall full of themselves yeah it's, it's like yeah. they got the day off school forever right you know after <laughs> the first 48 up. hours of oh my gosh i've lost my mommy then they go yeah. oh my gosh this is the best thing ever <laughs> oh it's so true they're so cute together too and if anybody doesn't think they love to race together you know each other um they got to go just watch a pasture for an hour or so they're they're just so funny and they tag team and they do everything that kids do on a playground too it's really cute crazy. really cute anyway so i'm i'm getting dreamy here about the last week it was really fun and uh, got to see the keeneland racetrack and uh, you know it, it sensory overload to see that many people in one place too even though it's reduced numbers it didn't feel like it you know because i haven't been out much mm -hmm. well and year. yeah and keeneland's such a small racetrack yeah it's yeah. it's not a big commercial operation like most racetracks in the united states it's very boutique yes so if there are 150 people there you notice it felt felt packed yeah <laughs> especially just being covid held up you know for a long time in lockdown here now but but anyway we'll get to our our uh, guests here today we have uh, a cowboy entrepreneur and we have Anita Motion with us from the thoroughbred industry too people will know her husband Graham Motion as a trainer and from England originally and just uh, iconic over here too and she's going to talk to us about the real rider cup yeah, a lot of good stuff coming up, and we are going to hear all about all of that right after we hear from our title sponsor, Hands on Gloves. 
Well, I'm sitting here today with Jay Michelson of hands-on gloves. And I, we were talking today about the horse that has sensitive skin or the animal that has sensitive skin, Jay. And I, I wanted you to help me address that a little bit. I know you've got some features to your products, but I know you know more about it than I do. So what do you do? What do you say to the, the owner that has somebody with sensitive skin? Our gloves are made from surgical grade nitrile. So that makes them chemical resistant, mildew resistant, because you can bathe with them too. They're made to get wet. Um, but across the board, there's no latex in them. So it's great for any animal, any people that have latex issues. There's no latex in it. They're just your hands. And if you have a thin skin horse or dog, they're, they're cats, other animals. There are many animals that don't like to be touched in certain areas. But having the gloves on, it's just your hands. You get immediate feedback if you get to an area of that animal that is sensitive. And you can apply less pressure in those areas, and you can apply more pressure in the other areas. Um, we have professional grooms that work from us. Um, they groom for Olympians across the board, and these guys are phenomenal. And they did a study on mainly thoroughbreds, thin skin thoroughbreds. Mm -hmm. And they found out that most people are grooming too light. Oh, <laughs> interesting. Tickling the, the horses and went in and applied just a little more pressure and the horses loved it. Ah. And that's kind of some of our experience with it. We, we have all kinds of animals and experience with that. I think you can throw these in the wash machine. Am I right? You can. Next time you bathe your animals with them, use the gloves. A little bit of soap suds up all the way. And what we do after we bathe our animals with them, we rinse them off, hang them out to dry, and they go back to new. Um, you can throw them in the washing machine. Um, just don't put them in the dryer. And okay. um, just throw them in the washing machine, hang them out to dry, and they go back to new. Well, Jay, how do people find out about you? Handsongloves.com. Scott Knudsen is not your ordinary fifth-generation Texas cowboy with a business degree. He's been struck by lightning, yep, in the head, out his hand, played a mixed doubles tennis tournament at the L.A. Forum with Billie Jean King and Martina Navratilova, and became an award-winning national sales rep for a Fortune 50 company. He's headquartered in Fredericksburg, Texas at Lightning K Ranch, of course. He owns Knudsen Equine Center, Knudsen Horses, and Knudsen Cattle Company, an American Quarter Horse Association, AQHA, professional horseman and ambassador. He's ridden rough stock, bronx, and bulls to racehorses. He's team roped, penned, and sorted. Knudsen's ridden cutting horses, worked rescues, and trained thoroughbreds to Morgans and Mustangs. Well, welcome, Scott Knudsen. First time on our show and remiss for not having you. How are you? Oh, we're doing great, Debbie. Thank you so much for having us on Horsemanship Radio. Oh, I'm so glad you're doing great, too. I One of the reasons we started talking, too, was uh, Elizabeth K. McCall, friend of both of ours, I know, is moving to our San Inez Valley. And we got to talking and she says, if you ever talk to this Scott Knudsen, he's a cowboy entrepreneur. <laughs> and I said, well, that sounds, that sounds really interesting. So tell us a little bit about your horsey background. You're a fifth-generation Texas cowboy. What does that mean? What does that look like five generations ago? Oh, my goodness. You know, I'm just so blessed. Um, you know, every generation, there's just horse stories and ranching stories, rodeo stories. And, and you know, needless to say, it's in my blood. And, and now my daughter is sixth generation, and she's into it, you know, and then my nephew's. And it's just, it's just respecting your past, and it's so important in, in our industry. It's always evolving. So it's a fine balance. You know, we want to respect that past and, and, and still try and innovate. And, you know, always, you know, growing up, I was always around the feed stores and whatnot, and I always saw the older cowboys that sit around the table and they were, while we were getting feed, and I always just admired them. So that was my heroes, you know, besides my parents and, and, uh, I would hear them tell these stories about everything they did in their lives. And I was, I wanted to be that guy. I wanted to be able to tell stories and, and, and live that lifestyle. And, and I asked, I remember asking one of them and I, and it was so, you know, when you go up to someone, you're younger, it's intimidating. I said, how do you get those stories? And he looked at me and, and he had these spurs on me. He's a straight cowboy and a generational cowboy from way back. And he just said, every day of your life is a chapter to go write your book. And, 
I took it from there and, and I'm, you know, the fifth generation, you know, started hearing the stories and that's mm-hmm. where it went. And now you have your own stories. Really fun. Cause you've really done a cross section here. You've ridden, of course, the perfunctory Texas guy who rides rough stock. You've done the Bronx and the bulls, but you've been on race horses and you've team roped and you've penned and you cutting horses. So what's your favorite thing to do when you get up in the morning? What excites you about horses? Everything, you know, and it sounds so generic, but it really does. And, you know, they're just so inspiring to me to even be around. Um, you know, they've, they've helped us, you know, when we got hurt, they inspired us to get well. And there's, they provided a living for our family. But, you know, when we were starting out back in the lean years, you know, we, it was me and my wife. We got in the truck and we'd go down the road just training horses, different ones from, you know, thoroughbreds to hunter jumper to race horses. And we just learned so much. And now having our own, you know, it's, it's fun to go walk, ride the ranch race colts and mm-hmm. go work on the ranch. And, and it's also fun to train them. I love it so much. Why do you call yourself a, a cowboy entrepreneur? Is that because you just have such a cross section of skill sets with horses? Or is there something you help people out in the business side of it? Um, well, a little of both, you know, being a cowboy entrepreneur, um, be, first off, being a cowboy is so special. It's just so, um, it's just so real. And that's what we do. And it's to our core and the entrepreneur side, there's just, it's such a big industry mm-hmm. and, and there's, you know, whether you're an editor or a filmmaker or photographer or bootmaker, you can be in the industry. You don't just have to train horses. Okay. And, and that's, what's so great about it. And we love talking business and, and uh, when we're on the road giving speeches or whatever we're doing, we're, we're, it's always a combined effort, you know, and that's, that's kind of how it came to be. Yeah. I, okay. That makes sense. You know, the, the thing about being with horses is I feel like sometimes you have to be an expert or at least you have to know a good expert in so many different things. I mean, farrier work, your vet, there, you know, there's science, there's math, there's, uh, language there's a lot of communication going Absolutely. on between horses what's your favorite side of the brain on that i love i, I love teaching i love that mm-hmm. so much i love getting interns out here that maybe have never been in the industry that want to be in the industry well, like your online university it's, it's the same thing it's just mm-hmm. educating people we have to in the industry it's going to go away you know mm-hmm. and that's what i love and when you know we we have interns that help us with our shows we have interns that want to be around horses they end up riding and they love it and and some take care of the ranches now when we're on the road um and i love bringing people into the industry and and giving them a chance and giving them a business skill set and 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 letting them understand it's a business it can be a business if you want it to be and it just doesn't have to be training a cult it could be something Mm -hmm. else within the industry Mm -hmm. yeah and and you do you have a lot of i know background on and so as an intern that's got to be pretty exciting to be able to work under you too so the interns are um helping you with the ranch is there desire to be do you have like a certification process or something or is that just getting hands-on just keeping people in the industry trained up it's mainly just keeping them in the industry you know we were in california we did some of our shows out there the cowboy entrepreneur show and we had some interns from cal poly that you know follow us around with camera equipment they got to do some of it and they got to meet so many wonderful people from stefan peters olympian to ada gates Patton, you know hall of famer and and they're they're leaving like we had no idea this industry is so amazing and they've never even been around a horse or the people and you know in texas i got people to help us on the ranch and some that just wanted to pet a horse and now they qualified for a college rodeo team or college horse team yeah. You know, and that's that's what's so great is uh, yeah. just getting them involved and and then letting them find their own way. Yeah, give them you, that opportunity. Yeah, I, I do. I think each generation is getting a little smarter with the business side of it. It's true. What do you teach them that's really grounded and you know goes back five generations about horses? You know, to be humble, mm. work, and, and respect the horse, mm. and that's it. And if you do those three things, you have the foundation for great success. And at the end of the day, if you learn something from that horse and they learn something from you, it was a good day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you find them with good work ethics? I do. Texas, you I do, really yeah. do. You know, I'm so blessed. You know, we, we have so many people that want to. And every once in a while, you know, um, they might not be great at, at what they are. But you know what? They found out this not their passion. And then they have opportunity to go find another passion that, that they can excel at. 
But the one for the majority of our interns, so much work ethic, and they're you know they're at the barn late, just roping dummies, and and they're they're talking about what they're going to do tomorrow, and and that's great, you know. And I think every generation has those people that want to excel, and the people that aren't there yet. And, yeah. And uh, it's so much fun working with them. It keeps me energized too. Yeah, I because bet. they say, "Have you thought about this?" And I give them leeway. They're talking about building a fence after the storm. It's like, how do you think we should do it? Aww. Yeah, and they look at me, and I'm like, "Well, you tell me what you think, and then let's let's talk through it." And and as as they get engaged, they they put their own brand on it a little bit, and mm-hmm. and uh, it really works out. That's nice. Yeah, that's great. You. You have gone through some challenges in the last few weeks. As we speak, we're 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 recording this in March, just the beginning of March. But a couple of weeks ago, Texas was all in the news, and you you all were were really on survival mode. Tell us a little bit about that with the horses too, yeah, because Debbie. that's scary. Yeah, it it was Debbie. Um, and you know, I don't get scared a lot, and I guess it wasn't scared as much as it was just energized, and we just we had to we had to think clearly and. And, and by being energized, we were doing that. And the first couple of days of the storm, um, it was ice and snow. And I know up north they handle it, you know, more regular. But down here, nothing is set up for that, mm-hmm. you know. And um, when it came in the first couple of days, we knew it was going to be bad. And we had a power line drop, and we drove across it to get our daughter to town so she oh. didn't have to experience that part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it was um, – when we came back across, it, we knew it was going to be rough, and it was. I mean, we were trapped for eight days when the second power line dropped. Mm, and, eight days. Um, eight days. We didn't have power or water for 20 days. Wow. Um, but we just had to learn how to live. And, you know, after the first couple of days, uh, my wife and I, you know, we were like Mother Nature is kicking us. Yeah. You know, uh, we're on defense, and she's on offense. So we flipped the narrative, and we were like, what are we going to do today to survive? Mm-hmm. And and that's the way we would do it. We would be on the offensive, and we would say we're going to cut this much wood. We had wood cut, and we had, you know, we had water in the garage. We had a generator, but none of it was enough for what we went through. And we had enough hay and grain, and we just every hour and fifteen minutes we got up and put logs on the fire, and we fed horses to keep them up so they wouldn't lay down. Oh, yeah. um, you know, and we um, we were walking instead of using the mule, so we would save that gas in case we needed it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were we were really blessed. All the livestock made it, and okay. you know there were some ranches that weren't as fortunate. But um, we just yeah. fought it every single day. You know we would take you know this water out of the pool, and it sounds bougie, but that was my my wife's twentieth anniversary to be married to me, and I probably mm-hmm. should have bought her a lake for all she's been through. But um, <laughs> we would boil that, and that was our water, and we'd toast bread wow. over the fire, and we were just trying to survive. And, my goodness! Uh, mm-hmm. But it taught us a lot, you know, and. And, uh, you know, we always flip the negative on anything and Amen. we look for the positive and it made, it made us closer. And man, I'll tell you what, feeding horses around the clock, you, you create even more of a bond with them. Mm. And, you know, when you see them suffering, you're trying to take care of them, you know, and we learned a lot. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You had said something about if I'd known now you would prepare 20% more, give us a less, a life lesson here about how do we prepare 20% more? Is it just more focus on it or do they, you know, put 20% more sandbags in the sand or what do you do? Absolutely. You know, and I'm speaking to myself as much as anyone else is we're going to do 20% more. I mean, we had firewood cut. And we had extra firewood cooked that was in the pasture, but when it iced over, all that iced over. So we had a hammer oh. knocking off the ice because it was inch and a half. Then we'd thaw it out and burn it. And and uh, but but we had plenty of firewood and we had plenty dry, but just not enough to go that long. Yeah. And on the hay and feed, we had plenty of it. Um, but the way it was swirling, the snow and the ice, it got over it. But we were okay on that. You know, on the generator. We had one. It just wasn't big enough to run a house or a mm-hmm. partial house and our water source because we have a well. So we're we're amping that up. We're getting more generators. We're making it our priority to be better set, not only for us, but for our animals. Well, that's a good lesson. That's good. Now it won't happen for another century. You know that because you bought all this stuff. And, and you know sorry. what? My, my daughter is going to have the best boots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Be set up. 
Oh my gosh, you just don't expect this to happen in Texas. I mean, up north, I know, as you say, they're ready for it more. But I mean, you can't go much further south than where you are. So, absolutely, you know. They said it's been eighty years since something like that's happened, and and you know, we we got through it, and we learned some things from it, and yeah. Well, you're you're uh, well forward. You're a wealth. And you did one other thing I wanted to ask you about, too. You were in a panel discussion with a bunch of industry leaders. And what's the one takeaway from this theme that you had for AHP, the American Horse Publications, getting COVID creative, finding silver linings in those clouds? What was your contribution to that? You know, I, I felt that every, you know, like I say, I flipped the negative on everything. And, and with COVID, I love meeting people. I love being on the road. And, and I guess with COVID, we couldn't be on the road, but we were in their living rooms and their offices or their kitchen because we could see it, you know? So in a way we were invited to their house. We got to meet people on a, a more relaxed level. Yeah. So that, that was a positive to get to do that. I was able to do um, what we do on the road. I was able to do a lot more of it from our house, which was a positive. And I learned a lot more about technology than I ever did. And uh, I was able to ride my own horses. And, and usually when we're on the road, other people are riding them. Right. So, and be with my family. So there was some positive that came out of it. And it was hard. It was hard for everybody. I'm not going to make a lot of that for sure. But, but there was some positives we learned from it and that we got to do because of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think everybody's kind of coming out with that perspective now, even if it's COVID crazy time. But, but yeah. I think there are some absolutely, and you know what we talked about is is how to have that worldwide audience, and you get to do that from your house, and how to be more efficient at it. And I think it helped everybody get there a little bit quicker. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, yeah, it kept us going. Well, you're a, you're a wealth. It is really fun to talk to you too. Thank you. How do people get a hold of you? How do they find out more about you? you got a Facebook page. Um, so absolutely, we have we're on all social media, and it's Cowboy Entrepreneurs. Our Facebook page, our website. Um, we have a new YouTube that they want to subscribe to YouTube. Um, it's Cowboy Entrepreneur, and also Elizabeth McCall is, is a great way to set up if they want us to come talk or maybe do a show or be on the road. She she sets a lot of that up for us, and okay. and um, you know, but we love the YouTube. I mean, we we love inter- um, engaging with people. You know, someone said, "What's in your truck? What's in a cowboy's truck?" And we just did a little quick seven minute video about what was in my truck that day, and <laughs> and we just have fun, and that's the whole deal. If you can't have fun in this great industry, then you probably can't have it anywhere. We're really blessed to be in it for sure. That's well, we're lucky to have you in it with such a great perspective on life and on horses and in ranching. Um, we we need more positive in that, especially in this really tough winter that we're going through in a in a tough uh, a tough pandemic. So I love your smile and I love your message <laughs> and I and I hope people will love you too. They'll go find you on your website and your your social medias. Hi, Debbie. I just had to write and tell you how much I'm enjoying Monty's podcast on Horsemanship Radio. You and Monty and your podcast guests are my company every evening while I'm feeding, cleaning, and finishing up barn chores for the day. I especially enjoyed the recent podcast 158 because so many of the guys that Monty talked about, and especially Greg Ward, were heroes of mine when I was growing up. It was really fun to be a fly on the wall listening to Monty recount all those stories. And I also enjoyed his discussion with Tanya Johnston about the deer and Sigmotaxis. Thanks for all the great information you and your dad are spreading throughout the world. And thanks for making the time doing my barn chores, no chore at all. All the best, Nan Meek. Along with her husband, Ram, and Need Emotion lives in Fairhill, Maryland, and operates Herringswell Stables. The Motions are relentless advocates for thoroughbred aftercare and tireless supporters of related charities. In 2013, they purchased former racehorse Ichabod Crane. Then they sent him to Olympian Philip Dutton, who retrained Ichabod Crane as a three-day event horse. A year later, that horse was named America's most wanted thoroughbred at the retired racehorse project Thoroughbred Makeover. Well, welcome. I've got Anita Motion and Monty Roberts on the line, who I guess are old acquaintances from 1980. What is it? Anita, you start us. 89. 89. <laughs> Anita, what, how did, what happened back in 89 to put you two together? 
Um, I was working in Newmarket for um, Captain and Mrs. Caldry, and um, I actually ran one of their divisions, which was the breaking division, where we started all the yearlings off, um, you know, to go to all the different trainers in Newmarket and all over, you know, and uh, internationally as well. And we started the horses for Sir Mark Prescott, Michael Stout, mm. um, you know, did a lot of the Aga Khan horses, uh, Henry Cecil, uh-huh. and um, the Caldries initiated, I believe, a seminar with Monty Roberts to show how to do it slightly differently. And from then on, I haven't called it breaking horses. I've called it starting. Oh, good girl. Hashtag. And I, have, I know, and I have uh, <laughs> adopted a lot of his methods over the years, and I've you know, shown people how to do mostly things like catching horses when we can't catch horses at Fair Hill. Or, in, you know, we have a, a, a herd of um, retirees that I manage and we have a 20-acre field. And the horses know when we're coming to catch them for something like vet or blacksmith. And there's always one that we yeah. cannot catch. <laughs> and we've tried everything, food. And so I showed them the Monty Roberts method, which was to cast them away or to make them go away from you. And anyway, this was in a 20-acre field, and I had a, a little audience watching me, and they just couldn't believe it that I caught the horse within about five minutes. Or you and let the horse try for hours. You. Oh, they've been trying for hours. Yeah, you'll see some crying then. <laughs> That's like, yeah. That is so fun. And, and what do you think is the magic behind that, Anita? I'd like to hear your opinion. I don't know. I think because they, I think, um, naturally, they want to connect with you, and they're curious. And typically, they you know they know when you're approaching them, and especially they they get the body language when you're actually going to do something that might not be very pleasant, mm. like dentist or you know right. come in for blacksmith or vet or something. And I think they can read your body language, and mostly they're playing with you you know they don't want to come to you because they know you want them but if you say i don't want you they automatically want to come back it's kind of reverse psychology i think Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and and dad how do you take that when you're sent away you wonder why and your tendency is to want to come back and uh, we all want to be included by people and we want to be liked so when, you, when you're sent away, particularly the flight animal, the flight animal is never sent away. They go away. Mm. And so they go away, and somebody just keeps saying, go on away, go again. Well, if you say that, maybe I won't go away. I'll come back to you. And uh, there is a draw after they've been sent away. Uh, when you go out there and you just keep trying, then you're a predator. Uh, when you go out there and push and push and push and walk away, you're a friend. Mm-hmm. That makes sense, and that well, comes from yeah, and it comes from a lot of experience. Now, how many demonstrations? I think you've recorded now. You've worked with about seventy thousand horses. How many? Yeah, it's it's about four thousand demonstrations yeah. with mm-hmm. with about five horses per demonstration, mm-hmm. and. Um, and so the starting process, taking their first saddle and rider, is now about 12,000, 13,000 horses. Mm. Uh, and I've worked with, one way or another, almost 70,000 horses. Yeah. yeah, I think that's what our stats are. So, so Anita Motion has some stats for us, too, that we would like to to uh, pursue. We want people to know about the Real Rider Cup. And when I saw your name attached to that, Anita, I knew that you guys had done so much work over the years. You and your husband, Graham, um, who most people will be familiar with, have, uh, you do a lot of work out there for not only horses, but for people too. And you've been advocates for thoroughbred aftercare. And I know you're tireless supporters of related charities too. So um, tell us a little bit about this is the fifth annual now, I think, annual uh, Real Rider Cup. Tell us a, a little bit about us. Give us a thumbnail. Okay, so we this is our fifth year, and to date, I can't remember how much we've raised, but, I mean, the last two years, we've raised more than 50000 each year, and it started out with about twenty five or 30000 So each year, we've surpassed the prior year's total, 
Mm. Um, and we've be, you know, been able to just bring more awareness around the country and more exposure to what we're trying to do. You know, if you do it once and don't do it very well, then you don't get much feedback for the following years. But yeah. every year we've had all the participants have said to us, you know, that it's not only the most fun thing they've ever done, but also no. the most worthwhile. And, um, you know, it's just a really great way for so many people to give back. And people can donate in such small increments, but those small amounts are what, you know, equate the massive amounts that we've managed to raise over the years. And every year it becomes more popular. Mm-hmm. And, you know, last year was going to be our, our biggest show to date. And, of course, then it was completely railroaded by the pandemic. Yeah. So, yeah. so we had to go virtual, which we've actually decided again to do that this year. Okay. Because it's just so unknown, you know, what, what we can do. It is, yeah. And you're, you're 20, June 20 through 26. So what is it? Is it uh, is an actual horse show? I know it's virtual, so it'll be filmed by each person. But how do you pick your riders and what are they going to do? Well, each year prior, we have mostly tackled and harassed and begged people <laughs> to do it. Okay. And, you know, then, then we have people that have persuaded other people to do it. Whereas this year, we've actually built um, a bigger, better website, which people can register on their own and upload their own pictures and videos. Right. And also, it, it calculates all the donations that are going in their name. So it's just a much more user-friendly um, website. So right. we just want to, you know, we just started it about 10 days ago, and I've been on spring break with my son, and which we're heading home now. Yeah. Um, but as soon as I get back, at the beginning of the week, we're going to really start pushing it. And we've heard a lot of feedback about people that want to join us, but they just haven't actually registered yet. So I'm going to start harassing and begging again. Again. <laughs> well, by the time this episode comes out, it'll be April 15th. So there actually might be some results that you'll you'll be get to brag on by then. But so to enter, the riders must either be sponsored or pledged to raise a minimum of $1,000. Is that still true? Yes. Yeah. Yep, okay. That's right. And and the pledges and, can be accepted via the this website that you've talked about. So it's under Real Riders Cup. What's what's the website? It's therealridercup.com. Therealridercup.com. Okay. Now yeah. tell us about the course. Tell us what they're gonna have to do. Well, the course is typically no higher than two foot six. And um, in the first three years, we designed a course and it was uh, the first two years, I believe, or three years, it was at um, Plantation Field mm-hmm. in Pennsylvania, which is um, the, um, they have a big four-star three-day event there. Mm-hmm. And we did it there. And then we actually moved it to Fair Hill, where they have the Fair Hill Thoroughbred Show every year. Um, and so we built the course and we had it professionally uh, designed. Last year, we actually did a PDF of the course and sent it to all the riders. And then we asked for um, different places to actually set it up for a oh, week good. or so, so the riders could, could uh, you know, um, trailer in and do the course um, at a at a you know a, a proper uh, yeah a proper equestrian place yeah. yeah. Um, and that's what we'll do again this year. I think we have um, people set up to do it in California, Kentucky, Florida, and Maryland at a at a proper equestrian center mm-hmm. and then you know if people have their own arenas they can do it there they just have to follow the course description they have to get somebody who can do a decent quality video to upload it yeah. they have to do the course in racing silks okay. and very often the silks of the people that are sponsoring them so um, a lot of the big um, owners will sponsor a rider for the full amount of the thousand dollars and then sometimes they'll just give a small amount, but that's fine. You know, as long as the rider is committed to raising a thousand dollars or more mm-hmm. per person. So, you know, obviously the more people we have riding, the more people, the more money we will, we will raise. Exactly. And, and uh, I love too that you have awards both for the people's choice and the top fundraiser. So, you know, somebody who really hustles, that's great. But if you've got a a people's choice character out there. <laughs> That's a fun. We'll have yeah. a voting option at, at the uh, when the, all the videos are published, which will be in the last week. Yeah. So up up until then, we'll be collecting all the videos, and then they'll be published for seven days, uh, where people can vote on them, and we'll you know 
obviously the People's Choice will be the one with the most votes. Tell us a little bit about where all this money goes. Well, this, this fundraiser is specifically for um, retraining organizations like the Retired Racehorse Project, New Vocations, and the Fairhill Thoroughbred Show. And um, each of these charities um, raise money specifically for retraining of thoroughbreds. Um, so that's, that's why we've decided to do it like that. And then last year, we actually adopted an um, art auction. We sold note cards and calendars, and we asked um, amateur and professional artists to paint or draw um, a picture of an off-track thoroughbred doing something else. And we auctioned off the originals and we sold calendars and note cards. But actually this year, um, the beneficiary of that charity will be the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation. Right. That's great. Anita, that is something near and dear to our hearts. So tell people where these thoroughbreds come from that are going to be put into these training programs. The the, the ones... um, that are in the art auction or the ones that are going into the Real Rider Cup? Well, the the actual horses that you're putting into the Retired Racehorse Project programs or the New Vocations programs, those are all training programs. So where are these horses coming from? They're right off the track? They're right off the track. And each horse, I believe, they you know they have all raced at least once. They're registered thoroughbreds. Mm-hmm. And usually they're donated or given to these organizations to adopt out. Mm -hmm. or um, all the organizations actually um, organize different events where you can compete, like the makeover, which would be all for all people on retired racehorses doing different disciplines like polo, Mm -hmm. western riding, uh, agility, dressage, three-day eventing, show jumping. Um, And each each of these organizations have um, uh, an exhibition or a show once or twice a year just for off-track thoroughbreds. Yeah, yeah. No, I love that. And do you love the direction that this is going for these horses that are off the track? Now, is this near and dear to your heart for that? Yeah, I mean, I just think there's just much more visibility now and much more awareness. And people are just much more much more conscious of what we do with our horses when they um, finish their career on the track. You know, we've always been very conscious of it and... Um, always try to do our best to place horses and to keep track of them. And a lot of other people have as well. You know, we just have a big voice and we have a lot of social media attention so we could put it out there just to promote all the good things that we try to do and what our friends do and what all these different organizations do. Right. Great. No, I I think it's wonderful that you have lent your name and weight to it. And that's why I wanted to have Monty dad on the phone too, because we are believing in that too. And we're, um, we're looking in the West coast area for more horses coming off the track and use the right horse initiative um, and other uh, adoption partners to find thoroughbreds too. And I think dad is a big believer. Am I right, Monty, that you're a big believer in in repurposing? Mm -hmm. You certainly are right about that. You know, Ms. Motion, we with the horses that we've taken off the track, I would say have another eight to ten day uh, to ten years of good service to new owners. Um, I'm I'm just so pleased to give these horses a home, and and the kids that get them often find them to be loving horses. You might think of them as race horses, all right, when they're on the track, but my, how they quickly come back to just being somebody's wonderful friend. And, uh, and they'll have eight to, like I say, eight to 12 years of uh, good service for families that are learning about horses. If somebody cared to adopt an off-track thoroughbred, I don't think they would ever be disappointed with the honesty and the affection and the intelligence of the thoroughbred. Um, you know, they have learned and, and done so much in a short time that when they yeah. leave the racetrack, you'll never find a better mannered or, you know, more professional animal that they could work with. And, you know, it's a bit of a myth that they're all crazy and, you know, high energy. I mean, so many are not. We have a couple of um, horses of our own that we've retired and, and um, sent to Philip Dutton, who's a four-time gold medal 
um, Olympian. And he has got one of our horses now competing, going into the five-star level, which is at the highest um, level of three-day eventing. And then we have a young horse who's by Union Rags that's just starting out, who he thinks has incredible promise. And then, of course, the famous Ichabod Crane, who um, he didn't retire till he was eight from the racetrack. So these horses will live till 30, 35 if they're healthy. So right. there's a lot of time that we need to fill in before they can't do anything. And yeah. that's where the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation come in, is because they take horses that are not capable of doing anything due to age or infirmity. Mm-hmm. Whereas the, the RRP, New Vocations, Fairhill Thoroughbred Show, they focus on the horses that are you know, still able to do something. That's right. That's, right. that's so well said. Uh, they they have just been wonderful for us, and we have a retired racehorse that uh, for the Jacobs family that went into training over the fences that uh, just won the Cheltenham, um, and, and you know those horses, like you say, um, they are like trained show horses. They're not really like racehorses. Two weeks after you get them off the track, mm-hmm. no, not at all. You know, the more people you talk to about the OTTBs, the more you know that they're out there in so many different disciplines and uh, they're just uh, so multi-purpose. It's wonderful. So I am so glad you're doing this. How do people get a hold of you? How do people get to the website? Let's do all that again so people can circle back with you. Well, again, the website is therealridercup.com. And if you go onto the website, there's a contact us form which you can fill out and that will go directly to my email and I'll get an alert um, or you can sign up to compete there's um, the, the first tab on the left on the home page there's the Real Rider Cup 2021 and you can register to compete or you can see you know how to make a donation and a lot of information about prior years um, all the different pictures lots and lots of pictures and videos and we have a YouTube channel um, and we're on um, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram. There you so go. So there's many many ways that you can find us. Good. Well, let's hope this is a blowout year. Whisper the language of the herd. Listen, you don't have to say a word. It's time for Jamie Jennings to fetch an email from Monty Roberts' inbox and share a morsel of Monty's wisdom in a little segment we like to call Ask Monty. Leave this world a better place than mine. The magic in the language of the Dear Monty, how did you discover and define Equus, the horse's language? Monty's answer. It is fair for me to say that Mustangs, the wild horses out in the wilderness, gave me the fundamental basis by which I began to understand their communication. I first learned to listen to horses while observing wild mustangs in Nevada at the age of 13. Sent there to round up horses for the Salinas Rodeo Association's wild horse race, I spent hours silently watching the feral horses interact with each other. I soon realized horses use a discernible and predictable body language to communicate, to set boundaries, show fear, express annoyance, relaxation, or affection. In a moment that would change my life, I understood that utilizing this silent body language would allow training to commence in a much more effective and humane manner, encouraging true partnership between horses and me. Join Up would become the foundation for all of my work with horses and later people too. For more of these insights into good horsemanship, go to MontyRoberts.com and click on the words Ask Monty at the bottom of the page. We're the Healthy Critters Crew. I'm Tigger. I'm Patty. And I'm Coach Jen. If you're a horse lover, dog lover, cat lover, llama lover, chicken lover, parrot lover, paw and hooves and feathers lover, Healthy Critters is for you. We have fascinating guests, nutrition tips, information on various critters, and the only talking Pomeranian dog on the radio. Hello, everyone. Join us for our bi-monthly laughter-filled romps on HRN. Brought to you by Biostar U.S. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Where in the world is Monty Roberts? 
Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged, in May. We have May 3. We have a Horsemanship 101, the foundational class. It's a lot of Then uh, skipping to 28 through 30th, we have a Horse Sense and Healing for our first uh, responders and our veterans. That's a program of Join Up International. Then in June, we have June 4 through 6, an introductory course, Module 4. That's preparing for those intro exams. You know who you are who took the modules one through three. And then June 7 through 11, we have a Gently Wild Horse course, a five-day course. That leads us right into, and Monty will skip, hop, and a jump up to Sacramento for the 11th through 13th. He'll appear on the 12th for a demonstration at the Western States Expo in Murrieta, California. That's near Sacramento. And then, very busy week, We will go into Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, the 18th through 20th of June for The Movement 2021. And we have some real great presenters and even better horses for you in that one. And then we have June 21 through 25, Amani Special Training. And we have some Brazilians, too, coming, and they'll get some Portuguese translation in case anybody speaks Portuguese out there. And then July, we have July 2 through 4, Horses and Healing. That's with our veterans and couldn't be more appropriate on the 4th of July. And then August 20, uh, sorry, August 2 through 13, we have the Gently Wild Horse Corps. Again, of course, that's the 10-day version. And then we've got August 16 through 20, the Monty's special training. So got a big bunch of stuff coming up. You got a ton of stuff going as usual. And if you couldn't as usual, put that all to memory, you can find all of that and more at MontyRoberts.com. You can find everything. You can find Monty's calendar. You can find the amazing video learning library, Equus Online University. You can find the uh, Monty's Q&A, which is where the trainer's tips come from on this show, but they're all right there on the website as well. Yep. And a whole bunch more. Uh, you can find it all, all at MontyRoberts.com. You can also call Flag is Up Farms and get lots and lots of information from the lovely folks there. It's 805-688-6288. And for details about today's show, episode number 181... You can find that at horsemanshipradio.com, and you're going to have links to today's guests and topics. Can people also find the Horsemanship Radio pos- podcast at montyproperts.com? They sure can, so too. That's it's the right only on the address homepage. you need to remember. It's montyproperts.com for everything. For everything. <laughs> See, easy peasy. Yeah, we have our programs on there, too, our transition horse program for the adoptions, and we've got our lead-up for the at-risk youth, and that, as well as the horses and healing we just discussed. So, yeah, everything all in one place. It's it's a classic case of something for everyone. It is. You're yeah, right. You <laughs> and something for everyone. Maybe you want to give us some feedback. Great way to do that is to follow Monty Roberts on social media. Facebook, go to just search for Monty Roberts. Find the one with the little blue check mark. And Monty Roberts is also on Instagram and Twitter, Monty underscore Roberts. If you have not done so already, head on over to your app store and download the free Horse Radio Network app for your iPhone or your Android so you never miss a show. You can also listen on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher. Yeah. Yeah, we're way ahead of the game, aren't we? Can you believe our kids are so proud of us for being so techie, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Many thanks to our sponsors who make all of this happen. That's Hands On Gloves. Thank you, Jay, and all your team over there. We love your gloves. And also, we have a cross-promotion this this, uh, episode, which is with uh, Healthy Critters podcast. So go over there and listen to them, too. And be sure to visit all the other great shows, too, on the Horse Radio Network at www.horseradionetwork.com. And until next time, have many happy horse hours. (music) 